0: Welcome to the St. Gabriel Catholic Radio Faith Dialogue with Bishop Robert J. Brennan, Bishop for the Diocese of Columbus, for the 17th week of Ordinary Time. Thank you for joining
1: us again, Bishop. Welcome, Your Excellency. My pleasure. Thank you. And we're taping a little bit early this week because of some calendar things. And we're taping right before you leave to preside over
0: the Mass for the first vows for the women, eight women— Um, receiving those vows from Mary, Mother of the Eucharist in Michigan.
1: The Dominican Sisters there, that's correct. These are are big days, so um, we talked about it earlier in the week, but uh, on the day we're taping, Thursday, um, later this day our own Deacon Eugene Joseph will be ordained a priest. So by the time this is aired, we will have another priest in the Diocese of Columbus. He'll be serving for a short while in England And we rejoice in the gift of his ordination. And then tomorrow I'll be uh, receiving the first vows of a group of sisters for the Dominican sisters. Now, we have the presence of the sisters. We're so fortunate to have so many good religious here, but the Dominican sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist are in uh, St. Michael's Parish, in the school there, and so uh, th- this is a day of rejoicing for us as well, to, in, in God's great abundance of religious vocations, God choosing people who really give their all in response, all for the service of the gospel.
0: Is there a lot of preparation that goes into your homily?
1: Oh, indeed. <laughs> indeed. You, you know, uh, you have to consider the audience. I mean, uh, if this is going to be a group of people, the assembled together, people of profound faith. Um, and so, as in any homily, there's a great opportunity, and you want to make the most of that. Um, so, there are readings. I've been focusing on the readings, but also on the ritual. And uh, the The gospel reading is the follow-up to the story of the rich young man. Remember that story? How He kept asking, well, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. And Jesus says, yeah, there is. And finally, he says, with love, give up everything you have and follow me. And the man walks away sad. And it's important to notice in that Jesus allows him to walk away sad. Jesus gives him freedom. Jesus calls him, he invites him, he's patient, but he doesn't clobber, and he doesn't force his answer, nor does he run after him and say, oh, wait wait a minute, I I didn't mean it, you know, maybe you don't have to give everything. He speaks honestly, and this is what it means to follow me, and he lets the man make the choice um, with great patience. And so, When you do see somebody who takes that choice, who gives everything over and follows Jesus, you see how they've done that in a sense of freedom and how they will find joy in following Jesus Christ. So that episode sets up the the gospel where Jesus then says, oh, it's hard to get into the kingdom of heaven. And he you know, he talks about the camel passing through the eye of the needle, and he says, but if God wants to get the camel through the eye of the needle, God will do it. And that's important. God, All things are possible with God. On our own, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And these women now who are making their first vows, earlier in the week, they had the final vows um, for those who had gone through that step of preparation, but the perpetual vows. But these first vows, these are women who freely, after having lived as novices, having really come to know the community, they're freely giving their all to Jesus Christ in the community of uh, the sisters, the Dominican sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist. And, And Jesus accepts their gift freely, the gift that they freely give, and he promises, it's on your own. It would be impossible, but God will provide. Um, God will give you everything you need to be able to say yes. Peter and the apostles say, hey, "Wait a minute, Jesus, what what, what are you doing here?" And uh, nobody can get him. But Jesus says, "Oh no, 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 no. with all, with God, all things are possible." So so that's what we celebrate today. We celebrate their free gift, but we also remember that with God all things are indeed possible.
0: As a layman or woman listener, how would we make that kind of abandonment statement in our own lives?
1: Well, it's really saying yes to to Jesus in the gospel. It's really giving ourselves, letting Jesus set the ways. You know, later in the year in November, we celebrate the Feast of Christ the King. That, in a sense, is a A part of abandonment. That's a way of our saying, um, you know, Jesus is King. Nobody and nothing else. We give our all to Jesus, and you know, Bishop Barron talks about the right ordering of things. He talks about that a lot, and so it means loving Jesus more than everything else. Now, we might say, "Wait a minute! Wait a minute! My family and everything." And the point is that when we Give ourselves completely over to Jesus. The gift that we give to our family is far more richer, far richer, far 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 more important. We can give ourselves. We, we give ourselves to our families as part of our response to our giving ourselves to Jesus Christ.
0: Sunday's reading, uh, John six, uh, the miracle of the loaves folds in there, doesn't it?
1: It does, and how that. That connects to what we're talking about here because when we give ourselves over, Jesus provides what we need. So, he, you know, last Sunday we heard we're, we're making a switch here. We heard Mark's gospel, kind of the setup to this miracle. Jesus crosses over the lake. He sees the crowd and has great compassion. The word that we have in English is pity, but it's it's deeper than pity. It's a great compassion. This need to respond from deep within. And he teaches them, and when they get hungry, he feeds them um, and we make a switch to john's gospel now, and I always say, the church kind of gives us a little bit of a retreat every third summer, and we you know most of the year we're reading from the Gospel of Saint Mark, except in later part of Lent and Easter and now we're going for the next few weeks read primarily from the Gospel of John. The sequence gets a little interrupted because the Feast of the Assumption falls on a Sunday this year, but we're going to be reading what's called the Bread of Life Discourse. It begins with this multiplication of the loaves and the fish, the feeding of the crowd, but that begins this very, very um, profound teaching on Jesus' part about the Eucharist. This, he, this is where the Eucharist is discussed in the Gospel of John. Jesus says, you know, your father gave you food in the desert, but the food that I give will never perish. You will, this is the food that I give is for eternal life. And the food that I give is my flesh for the life of the world. When the Catholic Church speaks about the Eucharist and when people kind of question the teachings of the Church on the Eucharist, this is the place to go. John's Gospel. Jesus makes... No hesitation about it. Um, He speaks very clearly about what he means when he says, the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. And if you do not eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life within you. Um, So over these next, I encourage you, uh, pay attention at Mass. Read Chapter 6 of John's Gospel. Maybe over these next couple of weeks, It's so rich and there are so many familiar sayings. You can even take it little bit, bits at a time. Just let what hits you sink in. But read through these things. And as you do try to give yourself over to Jesus, make that act of trust. Hear Jesus say, I will give you what you need. And um, I will feed you and, and I will be with you always because it's my very flesh that I give you. You know people tried to say to Jesus, "Hey, you know pull it back a little bit, you're going to lose the crowd here <laughs> <laughs> and not only does he not pull it back, Jesus goes in deeper so if you if you want any if you really want to understand the Eucharist and if you want to say, why does the church believe and teach what it believes and teaches about the Eucharist, why is it not simply a symbol a remembrance, go to John chapter six, Jesus says it. Very, very plainly and, um, and 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 we recognize the great gift we're talking about real presence real future we're talking about the Eucharist a lot these days we really the best thing to do is go to the heart of it, go right to what the Eucharist is um, this gift of Jesus Christ who gives us his own flesh and his own blood to eat and drink um, it, N- nothing nothing like it.
0: I was struck in uh, John 6, 1 through 15, the gospel reading, when uh, Christ asked Philip, one of the apostles, where can we buy enough food for them to eat? It's kind of, it's, a, it's an impossible situation right. from a worldly perspective, and I, I suspect that listeners right now are facing those kinds of situations in their lives.
1: Very, very much so. Sometimes it, it may be economic, it may be emotional it may be relationship some you know it goes back to uh the the uh, camel through the eye of the needle all it's impossible for us on our own but all things are possible with jesus jesus does something always in a new and in a different way and um and and the gift he gives us is so much more you know you don't get what you ask for, but what you get is so much so uh, so much better mm. and so much more important um yes uh, Philip says Philip says the same thing it's possible it's impossible. You know what else I love about this passage John's Gospel I love that John tells us about that encounter with Philip. With Philip and Andrew and the and, and and the little fella who has the loaves and the fish, mm-hmm. you know, in a sense, they bring Jesus what they have. The little this this little child gives his simple gift. That in the eyes of the world, well, what good is it? It's just a few loaves of bread, and a couple of fish. It's not going to accomplish anything. It's impossible, right? Mm-hmm. But Jesus, to the little boy, it was everything. It was everything he had. He gave the Lord Jesus everything he had. So all all the food. I mean, hey, listen, you know, the five barley loaves and two fish, he could have fed himself pretty well, and maybe a couple of people around him. <laughs> right? Yeah, But he gives Jesus what he has a lot in his own eyes, but not much in, in in the, in in the face of what needs to be done. Jesus accepts his simple gift, his humble gift and transforms it miraculously to, to feed a huge crowd with leftovers. And, and, and and God, again, is never outdone in generosity. Um, and, and I think there's something in there for us too. If we can't give to the Lord, the little we have but if it's if it's given sincerely and freely he will multiply it he will fill it with grace and and he'll give it back to us transformed in in a, in a powerful powerful way jesus gently gratefully graciously accepts our humble offerings as long as it's sincere he accepts the simple things we bring. He accepts the bread and the wine we offer at Mass. He accepts the, the lives of these sisters who are making their vows. He accepts the life of Deacon Eugene and the priest who were just recently ordained. And, and he accepts the gifts and uses them for his mission to to transform the world. Um Powerful, powerful images, and so I really do encourage you. I'm, I'm not just saying this. I'm re- I really encourage you spend some time. Make, yeah, you know, it's not a special season. It's not like it's Lent or Easter or Advent. We're used to doing things in special seasons. This is a little bit of a summer retreat that the church gives us. Um, let's walk with the church. Read the Sunday readings, reflect on them, but even on our own, just keep going to that sixth chapter of John's Gospel. Um, read the whole thing, and then read it in pieces, and, and, and let the Lord speak to you. And do that over these next few weeks, even if it seems repetitive, because Jesus always has something new to say to us, doesn't he?
0: Mm.
1: Yeah,
0: I'm struck that we have to slow down to speed up
1: sometimes. That's right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, we've been reading um, that book from Christendom to Apostolic Mission, uh, published through the University of Mary. And um, that third chapter kind of fits where we are. Um, it, it talks about the current situation. If you remember, we've been talking about the um, the difference between the age of Christendom, where you have a society that kind of speaks, it's in sync, speaks the same vocabulary, you know, uh, supports the same values, even if not everybody's living them, from Christendom to an apostolic age to, to apostolic mission, um, where really we find ourselves more in the minority. And our task is more about fundamental evangelization, just announcing that encounter with Jesus Christ. and uh, and And so that... You you know, what is the current situation? So within the church, for those of us trying to live the Catholic faith, it's hard. I I, I have to say, my, my compliments go out to parents today who really find it hard to raise children in an age that not only doesn't support the Christian values that they're trying to teach, but actively tries to thwart it tries to teach our children that you know our parents are, um, and and our church is just ill-informed you know behind the times or actually even using negative language and, and 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 Jesus is giving a different view of humanity that really is liberating and filled with human dignity and so uh this third chapter talks about where we are at the time, and basically we've moved from having this society of Christendom to the need for apostolic mission. And so in a sense, in this time, we're not talking about being in the majority or having great numbers, and we recognize that. Even within the Church, we realize that on the part of some, we talked about the faith in the Eucharist, the need to go back to this John chapter six, because you know even faith in the Eucharist has grown lukewarm inside the church. So that you, as you're listening today, you have a commitment to your faith, or at least a, a curiosity at the very least, but probably more than that. And so the call of the gospel is is To go deeper and and to to be a witness, um, but to recognize both the signs of the times and the call of Jesus. So really, as a church, one of the things that's going to be a real struggle for us is to recognize that, you know, we still kind of operate in a Christendom mode. We still kind of operate as we did over these last decades And yet, we've got to figure out new ways to engage one another in the practice of the faith and to witness to it to people outside. Um, So this book, it's a thin book, but it's going to spend some time just looking at the world um, and trying to come up with strategies based on the experience of the apostles, um, when we talk about the next chapter, chapter four, there's actually quite a, a funny analysis of the church in the earliest of days and, and kind of applying some of our tools, you might say, to the church in the earliest days. And it brings you back to what we were talking about at the beginning that if you look at the current situation, you might say, oh man, this is impossible. It's impossible. How are we ever going to witness to the gospel in the world today? And how are we ever going to manage with the resources we have? And Jesus is going to say to us, on your own, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. One of the things I'll say at Mass, I I often when I'm preaching this gospel about the camel through the eye of the needle, I, I I often say if God wants to get the camel through the eye of the needle God can get the camel through the eye of the needle he doesn't tell us what the camel will look like when it comes out on the other side
0: <laughs> that's a visual
1: <laughs> <laughs> there you go but God can do it nobody else can but God can do it after all there wouldn't be a camel in the first place without God. <laughs> mm. Nor would we even exist. Our very existence would be impossible. So yeah, God God has shown us that He can do what seems to be impossible. But if we rely on our own graces, if we're relying on our own strength, we're not gonna get anywhere.
0: Bishop Brennan, as always, we so much appreciate these radio addresses. Uh, could you close us with a prayer and a blessing?
1: Indeed. But, you know, I, I'll ask you to join me in praying as Jesus taught us and asking that we might be able to seek always the will of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Amen. And may Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
0: Bishop Brennan, thank you again for your words to help us live as disciples of Jesus Christ, and now we rejoin our regularly scheduled programming already in progress.